0: callum we're live are you ready i'm ready are you ready Woo! no i okay. gotta go pee real okay quick. okay goodbye no i'm just kidding Bye. i am ready callum you're ready i'm excited man it has uh we took a bit of a break but we got a ton done
1: we did holidays were crazy um you were busy i was busy um what else happened what did we what are we even doing
0: what, what have we been doing? Well, first off, let's talk about the number one thing. The website is live. Finally. That is the biggest thing. This started off like as a little, uh, you know, a, a way to just see if it could be done. It can be done. We like, its, we like its flow. We like its style. So we're bringing it to the masses. So it is officially live. Anybody out there in the universe, or at least Earth, can go to the com and find us.
1: And you should. You should go there right after you watch or listen to this episode.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of people don't know that we are both on iTunes and on YouTube. Sometimes it's easier to listen in the car, but sometimes you just want to see our pretty faces while you're at home on the weekend and watch us on YouTube. So whatever's easier for you. We're just trying to help you. That's all we're doing
1: disclaimer, Raymond's 10 out of 10. I'm probably like a 7 out of 10. So, <laughs> so let's, you know, pick and I, choose your battles.
0: I sometimes get confused for Channing Tatum. That's just, I'm just hey. going to throw that out. Hey, hey, Raymond here from the future. First off, um, I've sadly actually never been confused um, with Channing Tatum. Uh, but second, this episode was recorded back in 2016. And as you heard, our website had just went live. This was all very new for us. So, since... This series of episodes is all about the exposure triangle. You know, these episodes continue to be our most downloaded episodes as listeners have said things like, you know, I've struggled to understand how the exposure triangle works for months. But after listening to these episodes, it finally clicked. So I hope that you can listen to uh, you know, you can li- you can listen past the poor audio quality of 2016, and stick around for the end because I'm going to share with you how you can get your hands on a free camera settings cheat sheet for you to help solidify what you learn today. Real good stuff. Let's get into it. But today we have a pretty awesome episode that I am I'm excited about. I know a lot of people talk about it. It's pretty. Uh, um, uh, I don't want to say a dangerous subject, but it's something that easily confuses people when they first get into this world. So, Callum, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, today is the first part in a three-part mini-series we're going to do with our uh, podcast, Um, and we're going to talk to you about the exposure triangle, specifically aperture.
0: Yes, that is today. So, obviously, the exposure triangle, for a lot of you who don't know, is everything that makes up photography. Photography is... Light being captured, so there are three aspects to controlling the light that you capture. And today we're going to talk about one of them. So, Calum, you said that it's aperture, 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 aperture. I've heard it before. I think that I got a pretty good idea of what it is, but there's a lot of people listening or watching us who don't. So, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off?
1: Totally aperture uh does as raymond said it can confuse a lot of people when i was a brand new photographer i had no clue what this thing was i was like yeah aperture it does some stuff and i uh you know i'll just move on it's the a on my camera uh what av for canon for you guys av yeah so you know i'd go into that mode but i didn't know that what was going on there aperture right now for the rest of time and before us After is simply just a hole in the lens that light travels through. That is as broken down as I can let you know what it is, but I'm going to obviously help you through this. Um, I want you to really know because I didn't know. And now that I know it's so much simpler. Lenses are, are really sort of modeled after the human eye. Uh, and I want you to sort of picture an eye. Don't try and look at your own eye in the mirror. Just listen to the podcast. Especially if you're
0: driving. Especially do not look at your eye driving.
1: in the rearview mirror. That's, do not. Look out do, for that truck. We are not responsible or liable or anything. Yeah, we should we, start getting some lawyers just in we, case. We, do we need a lawyer? Aperture. <laughs> yeah. uh, the aperture is just simply a hole that travels through the lens. And because lenses are is a model after our eye, we're going to use the eye as an example to help you understand. As as... As you know, as light enters the eye, you have something called the iris, and it expands and contracts the pupil. That's that tiny black dot you have in your eye. That's what light travels through.
0: Yeah, that's actually a hole. That black dot is actually a hole for people who
1: don't know. Yeah, literally a hole. Light goes through it, and then your brain uses all that signal of light to make up what you see in the world. So the iris expands and contracts that pupil in and out, in and out, all day, all the time, And what it's doing is it's changing the size based on how much light you have available to your eyes. So on a bright, sunny day, you're out 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're looking close at the sun. Or if you're looking straight at the sun, you're in trouble. Yeah, we don't want you
0: listening to our podcast if you just look straight at the sun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If If you're looking almost straight at the sun, your pupils are going to close down as small as they can possibly go to let in less light. Similarly, if you sit in the dark in your bedroom for five hours, your pupil is going to expand really large. It's going to dilate larger to allow more light in so that you can actually see. The pupil, essentially, for all purposes, is just the aperture of your human existence. That's exactly what it is.
0: I think that you described that pretty well, especially trying to think of it like an eyeball um, in the sense that it's all about how much light does come in. And essentially that is the most relatable way to think about this. The other two aspects don't really relate to the human body at all, but the aperture, that one you can picture in your head. So good job on that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that aperture does, but like Callum said, the, the main goal is just controlling the amount of light that comes in through the lens. So is that all
1: that it does? Not exactly. In the exposure triangle, you know, we're trying to stick focus to that for this three-part miniseries. But aperture does also control another function that's very important for photographers who uh, have been in the industry 30 years or been doing it for five minutes. And that's called depth of field. And sometimes online called DOF, if you see that acronym. Acronym? Yes. Acronym, acronym. Yeah. yeah. English language today. Mm-hmm. Um, DOF. It's simply just your depth of field and what that really is is how much of what you can see through your camera will be focused or sharp or in focus, any of those terms. Uh, to make it very simple, the bigger the hole in your lens that you that you see, so think of the pupil, if it gets really large, the, the more light is going to come in as we've just explained and less is going to be in focus. It's going to have a shallower depth of field. So if you were taking a picture of a rose standing up in the middle of your garden. What you would see if you focused on the rose with a big hole is you'd have the rose focused because that's where your camera's focusing and a lot behind it would be out of focus and a lot in front of it would probably be also out of focus. And as it goes as you can see farther and farther back from that rose less or sorry more and more will become more out of focus. It'll just expand and out of, it'll be softer.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a good way to explain it. I, I can picture it in my head, but I just thought you and I are professionals. We do this for a living. The word aperture means we know exactly what it means, but one thing that we haven't covered for those of you who are, Just bought a camera today, and this may be the first podcast that you're listening to. And today might be the first time that you've even heard the word aperture, what it is or where you can find it. So real quick, if you look at your lens, there's going to be a series of numbers. So on the front of your lens right here, I'm showing this to the camera, but those of you who are listening... You'll see a number like uh, in the example that I'm holding up. I got my Fuji lens. It says 23 millimeter. And then right next to it, it says 1 semicolon 1. 1.4. One meaning full. So it's full wide open aperture is 1.4. So most of you, if you just bought your camera today, it'll probably be 3.5. And then when you look at your lens, it'll be these numbers right here. So typically it is... Uh, you know, most people are gonna have a lens that probably starts off at a three five. So we'll just go two eight and then it goes to four and then five six, eight, eleven, and sixteen. And then it goes deeper, uh sixteen then to twenty-two. But essentially that's what it is. The, that's that's these are the numbers that we're talking about today. Um so when you're looking at it I don't really have A different example, maybe a slower lens, uh, you know, a beginner might have. But um, if you're looking at your aperture, typically, like I said, if your kit lens, if you have a kit lens, it's going to say 3.5 in it. Um, And that is going to be the biggest hole that it has, like Callum said, the biggest hole. So that's going to be the widest aperture. And oddly enough, the bigger that the number gets, the smaller that the hole gets because you're just limiting the amount of light. So that's an easy way to think about aperture is how much light you're limiting. Stop thinking about how much light you're letting in, but think about how much light you're limiting. It gets confusing at first, but as it goes on, it gets easier. So this is stopping two stops of light from all the light that you see around you right now. This cuts that in half, okay? And then when you go to F2, that's another half the amount of light. And then when you go to 2.8, F2.8, eight, that's half the light again from F2. From F2 to F4, you're halving the light once more. So every time you go to a new number, a new full F-stop or aperture, which are both interchangeable, whether you call it an aperture of 2.8 or an an F 2.8, it's interchangeable, F stop and aperture, same thing. Um, When you cut those in, when you go to the next stop, you're just cutting the life in the light rather in half every time. Did that, did that make sense, Callum?
1: I think that makes sense. Uh, And I I do know that when I first started, you know, I would look at the lens and I go, Oh, I have a a 3.5, but I can make it turn into an F 16. But the bigger number f16 is giving me a smaller hole which really means you're getting as raymond explained less light so at first it might be a little confusing to think oh as my number gets bigger i should naturally be getting more light but you're not you're actually getting less light because you're dividing the light in half right or half every time you move up as raymond explained
0: Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey and this guide is your first step and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if you think about it, like kind of like I said, if you think about each f-stop is the amount of light that you're limiting as opposed to the amount of light that you're letting in, it's a little easier to grasp. Would you say so? Or am I just, am I just talking nonsense?
1: I would say so. I would say so. So if you have an F3.5 lens, you know, you're, that's the, the most amount of light that you can let in. That's all the possible light that that lens can actually pass through it to your camera body. If you change the setting from that 3.5 to maybe say an F8, you substantially reduce the amount of light available in your image if you change no other settings will become darker because you're letting in less light.
0: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So when, when people talk about this exposure triangle, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Um, so I guess we'll go over that as well. The exposure triangle are the three aspects of light when it comes to uh, cameras and photography that control a decent exposure. So an exposure is literally, it's a photo and getting a good exposure means that the photo is not too bright and it's not too dark. It's right in the middle. It's a good exposure. So if you have three aspects to control the amount of light, one being aperture, the other is your shutter speed, how fast or I guess how long rather the sensor is exposed to light. And then the third is the sensor speed or the ISO, the ISO. That's probably how it's more commonly referred to. I know a lot of people, um, you know, when looking up gear reviews, they, uh, you know, hear how is the ISO performance that literally means, um, how sensitive the sensor is. So when we break it down, the aperture controls how much light comes through the lens. The shutter speed refers to how long the sensor is exposed to that light that's coming in through the lens. And then the third one being ISO is how sensitive that sensor is to light. So the higher the number, the more sensitive it is to light, the less light that you need to get a good exposure. Um, Shutter speed and aperture are two things that technology really isn't going to advance on. But uh, ISO performance is is a huge, huge proponent of uh, technology as that's how it gets progressed.
1: Every year, it seems to just go crazy. I think the new Nikons just came out and they're in the millions now.
0: Literally like 1.5 million as a native. Is that right? Is it is it native aperture as 1.5 million? I don't know if
1: it's native or pushed. I don't... Uh... I don't even know what situation. It would be pitch dark for me to have to use that.
0: Native aperture, wow, is 102,000 and then expandable up to 3.2 million. So that's five stops of light. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. I once shot an image at a wedding at ISO 8,000 and I almost pooped my pants because it was just, I could not believe that I was letting that much light in.
1: Soon we will not need flash. (laughs) whoa 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 hold on there buddy hold on the less stuff i can carry with me on a wedding or any shoot the better yeah i went out on saturday um morning and shot with one lens i loved it i love i used to bring maybe two or three lenses but i think i'm shifting i think i'm gonna become more of a minimalist guy
0: i like that i like that man soon let's see
1: next next uh, (laughs) one
0: First, you go from uh, three lenses to one lens, and the next, you're going to be getting smaller and smaller cameras with only one lens, and uh, soon you're going to join the dark side of the Fuji. I promise you. I
1: am not opposed to the Fuji. Um...
0: (laughs) So, uh, we totally got off track there. I guess let's get back um, back to the exposure triangle. So... um, when you when you think about the three aspects, like I said, if you think about a triangle, one is aperture down here, um, you know, in the left corner would be shutter speed, and then in the right corner would be um, your ISO. So if you think of um, if you think of this triangle as perfectly balanced, if you move any of these, they're going to shift. It's going to make the triangle a much different shape. So if you had if you think of a triangle in your head right now it probably looks you know something like equal sides all around but then when you, you uh, adjust your aperture it's going to get way taller and therefore it's going to let in way more light and suddenly the shutter speed and the iso can't compete oh hey look at that hey it's charlie charlie has cookies
1: oh lucky if you were just listening to us charlie is standing at the doorway and he's got cookies and wait, he, he looks super cute
0: hey babe are those cinnamon roll Oreos? Yep. Oh, cinnamon roll Oreos. Callum, yeah. I love you, buddy, but uh, I can't wait till this podcast is over because I'm going to get uh, my face stuffed with some cinnamon roll
1: Oreos. <laughs> I do not blame you today. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, so that exposure triangle is key in in everything that you're going to do um, for the rest of your life with photography. Um it's, it's something you have to practice and learn. And if you think about that triangle like Raymond said, as soon as you move one component of it, whether it's the shutter speed or the aperture like we've been talking about, you're affecting everything else in the triangle. So if you have an image that you take and it's just a little bit too dark and you move that aperture from, let's say, F8, as we know is kind of a small hole, to F4, which is a bigger hole, You're going to get more light, and that might be perfect, but if it's too bright, you need to compensate by changing something else. So that might be your ISO. You might want to lower how sensitive your sensor is, or you might want to make your shutter speed faster, and we're going to talk about in the next web series on uh, the exposure triangle about shutter speed.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that one. There's a lot that it can do for sure, your uh, your shutter speed and ISO as well. Um, you know, and and I liked how we touched on that no matter what, uh, what it is that you decide to control, it changes more than just one aspect. So when we talk about our aperture, it does control the amount of light coming in through the lens. And then as Callum said, it also changes your depth of field as well as for your shutter speed. It changes, it it dictates rather, how how long the sensor is open to that light, how long it can accept that light. But it also can change how, you know, how, how much motion there is in your photos or how blurry the photo is from camera movement. And then same with your ISO. It controls how sensitive your sensor is, but it also can add a lot of grain, which could be stylistic to your photos. So, These all do more than one thing, but also what is really important to remember is that, like all of photography, it's pretty subjective. There is no perfect exposure. There's no – I I, I guess what I mean by that is that you have to be happy with this. You have to be able to look at the photo and say, I love it because – I'll tell you that if I went to a wedding and I shot every photo at, a, at what my camera would think would be a perfectly exposed image, the clients would not be happy because they're typically, I don't want to say darker than what you would expect, but yeah, they're kind of darker than you would expect. Like if you're looking at this image right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, I mean, you can see us just fine. And this wall is, you know, perfectly exposed behind me, but there's no, there's nothing visually appealing about it. If you were to brighten this up, the photo would be technically overexposed, but maybe it would be more appealing to your eye. So all of this information that we give you is just to tell you like, these are teaching tools of what this means, but don't take it to heart. Don't say, well, it has to, the meter has to be right in the center. This has to be a perfectly exposed image. Otherwise it's crap because it's not. It's however you like it. That's- I know that there's, I'm sorry. I know that there's a lot of photographers who shoot everything underexposed and and moody. And that's exactly what it feels. It feels like, whoa, I'm in this moment. It's very rich and it's very, uh, you know, passionate. I like what I'm looking at, but then a lot of other photographers, specifically in fashion, they shoot everything two, maybe even three stops overexposed to get everything blown out so that you're looking right at the subject. And both of these photos are technically wrong. One is way overexposed, one is way underexposed. But like I said, it's all subjective and it's what it is that you like.
1: Absolutely. I shoot... I think Raymond's hit like my most recent engagement session. I think you saw it this morning, Raymond, um, much, much darker, um, than I'd shot three years ago. Three years ago, I shot really bright. I shot way too bright for any taste I have now. And now I'm, I really love controlling light into specific little portions of my image. So I shoot much darker everywhere else. Um, and just like you said, in fashion photography or, or anything else, like, where there's, I think, probably more fashion clothes and stuff, they'll shoot high key. It, it's a term called high key and they will shoot, you know, a backdrop and they'll blow it completely out of the water. Um, you won't even be able to see the backdrop, um, but it's perfect for that style of photography. Yeah. Um,
0: and that photographer.
1: And that photographer as well.
0: Because as we all know, I mean, you could just Google, uh, you know, uh, wedding photos or wedding photography, and I'm sure that Google will show you two completely different images. It's not, there's no rule book to this. You know, it's not just right or wrong. It's it's giving you the tools that you need to figure out what it is that you like and then you using it. So us today talking about aperture is, and the whole exposure triangle, I guess rather, is just making you aware of what it's for, because if, if you're really passionate about photography, which I assume that you are, if you've taken the time to listen to our podcast, you want to get into photography, you want to know about it, and you love it, you're passionate about it. So on your journey of trying to find out more, I guarantee that you're going to hear about this exposure triangle. But just remember, it's not a rule book. It's, it's a guidebook.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the last thing I was going to maybe do is do a quick, tiny two-minute exercise on how you can understand the exposure triangle in a really simple way. Oh. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So if you're just listening to us, Raymond has held the camera, his photo, his, his DSLR, his, um, or I guess it's his mirrorless one, um, up to the video camera so that we can see him.
0: So what does it say, uh, what does it say these settings are right here? It says iso four hundred a seventieth of a second at f one point four that's what it says. Okay, this is all on auto, so it assumes that this is a perfect exposure. Is this really trippy to look at
1: <laughs> it's a It's a little off-putting <laughs> I'm joking. so <laughs> even that we can we could even look at Raymond's so if we took this image at ninetieth of a second, we see in the bottom corner on the left. At f1.4, and that f1.4 in the aperture means it's the largest hole they can possibly have in the lens. It's letting in all the light it possibly can to take this photograph. The third component of the exposure triangle that we see is ISO, and the ISO speed is 400. And what that's what's that saying is from the base of 100, it's multiplied how sensitive the sensor is four times, it's four times as sensitive as far right. as I understand it. Maybe I'm completely wrong after all. No, no,
0: you're right. If it's 100, then 200 and then 400, it goes twice as much and then four times as much. And then if it went to, um, up another stop, it'd be eight times as much. There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear, like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices. And you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at DeliverPhotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business
1: soar. So, but third settings as, as well with cameras. And I think that's a bit too much. You know, I don't think even I even, I don't even pay attention to that. Um, So anyways, we saw in Raymond's image, it was around a hundredth of a second, I believe, at 1.4 ISO 400. If we took this, if we took this image at, instead of f1.4, we took it at maybe f4, what would happen? What would happen? Let's find out.
0: Okay, so I'm changing my lens right now to an f4, and then it says...
1: See, it's moved everything else.
0: So it now changed. it dropped the shutter speed to a 60th of a second. But then the way that it compensated the most was by changing the ISO from 400 to 1600. That's a so, huge
1: change in the sensitivity of the, of the sensor.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a huge gain. From 400 to uh, 800 is double. And then from 400 to 1600 would be four times as much. So it's, it went down on the shutter speed. And then it went up on the sensitivity.
1: And, that, but, and that's, how that is, that's how the camera predicts it. Um, it could be completely different for you when you're taking pictures. Um, and the best way to learn about the exposure triangle and especially learn about aperture that we've been talking about, that's a great picture. It's going to be my new profile picture. Nice. The best way to go out and learn about how the aperture is going to affect not just how much light you're letting in, but your depth of field is going out and taking photographs. Take Mm -hmm. photographs of everything. Your hot coffee, take photographs of a hill, take photographs of your dog, your kids, utensils that are sitting in your sink, which is what I have. I need to go do my dishes.
0: (laughs) You slacker. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really great exercise. I think, uh, you know, at least for me, I, you know, I could read every book in the world, but it's not until I spend five minutes with something in my hands and actually physically holding it and and doing something with it is when I uh, I really get a grasp on what it does. So um, I, I would like to add to your uh, to your little experiment. And um, if, you, if you were you done with uh, with the experiment process?
1: All you you go for it.
0: I think. What a lot of people should do would be—we talked about this before. We talked about how you should always be shooting in manual to to progress how much you learn, but for or how fast you learn. But for the um, for the sake of this episode for aperture, we should all put our cameras in aperture priority mode because aperture priority mode will let us select whatever aperture that it is that we want to shoot. And then it'll change your shutter speed and your ISO to make a good exposure. So, hey, that was me. Or was it you? It was you. Hey, I'm just getting all sorts of pictures taken of me today. Oh, yeah. So, So, we should set our cameras to aperture priority mode and then have it set to the widest aperture. So, however small of a number you can get it so most people it's going to be 3.5 or if you have the nifty 50 the 50 um, millimeter lens from either canon or nikon it's going to allow you to open it up all the way to 1.8 and i think that if you have this lens you're gonna learn what aperture does real quick because the jump from 1.8 to 3.5 is huge when you're looking at um, your photos so Like Callum said, start taking pictures of everything. I would say spend 10 minutes taking a picture of everything at 1.8 or if you have the the stock lens at 3.5. Take pictures of everything at that, something really close up. Like Callum said, you know, just stick out your hand in front of you and take a picture of it at at 1.8 or 3.5. Whatever you have is the largest. Take a picture of, uh, you know, something 20 feet away. Take a picture of, you know, a house down the street. Take a picture of something really, really far away just for an hour. Spend as much time taking pictures of, you know, everything. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you have. And then for the next hour, stop it all the way down to F8. And then just take pictures of the exact same things. And then when you go back on your computer and you compare the two photos, immediately it's going to be recognizable. You're going to be able to see, wow, because my aperture was 1.8 in this photo, only this flower is in focus. The, The garden behind it, the grass, the trees, everything behind it is completely out of focus. But now when I take the picture at f8, the the flowers in focus the the garden isn't focus. maybe the grass is slightly out of focus but uh you know i can still kind of see it and then the same thing for the house down the street because you'll notice that if you're taking a picture of something really far away it doesn't really matter if you look at your lens and you look at the uh the focus distance let's see if i can pull it up on mine oh let just hit the microphone uh i'm going to show my lens to the to the camera right now. So if you look at the, I can't look at both at the same time. Okay, if you look at the focus distance right here, wow, well, this is a lot harder than I thought they would be trying you're to get line up? Uh Yeah. Let me click on your, there we go. Okay, so as you can see, if you're looking, okay, so on the 50, you can focus as close as, okay, so about a foot and a half away is the closest that it can focus. And then the furthest away that it can focus before it gets to, Infinity is 20 feet. So let's just say that anything more than 20 feet away will be in focus. Always. All the time. So it doesn't matter if you have, if you're using an aperture 1.8 or if you're using aperture 8. Everything will be in focus. Where it really comes into play in trying to get that out of field, or I'm sorry, depth of field uh, creaminess out of focus background is how close something is to the lens. So the closer something is to the lens, the more out of focus the background is going to be. Obviously your lens is going to have limitations with Callum's lens. The closest that anybody can get is a foot and a half and still be confidently in focus. Um, With my um, 35 mil lens, it's one foot. So if anybody's closer than that, it's going to be out of focus. If anybody's uh, further away than that, then, you know, I can, I can isolate them. But if they're more than, let's see, was this, feet or meters? If they're more than nine feet away, doesn't it matter. doesn't matter what aperture I'm using. They're going to be in focus, if there that makes go. sense.
1: So, so it seems really confusing, but it really, I think once you go out and start experimenting and seeing what changes um, every time you move the aperture to a new setting, it'll start to just become second nature for you. You'll shoot wide open, or what that means is with the smallest number possible that your camera will allow, your lens will allow. At 1.4, 1.8, 3.5, whatever it is, you're going to see a big difference between that and, as Raymond said, F8, F16. It's going to be, you're just going to know when you want to use certain aperture settings.
0: Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll be able to figure out quickly how much of whatever you're taking a photo of will be in focus. And uh, like we talked about in a past episode, all about lenses. Um, that's the big thing why lenses can get expensive quick. Luckily, Canon and Nikon have made, um, you know, some really cheap grid options being the 50 mil uh, 1.8s. You know, anybody starting out in photography even though I recommend that it be the first lens that you get rid of, I also recommend it as the first lens that you buy because being a kit lens, it, it really doesn't matter that you have a DSLR, you know, Um, you're really not differentiating yourself from other photos that everybody else is taking. You know, when it comes to photography, you want to do two things. You want to make images that you enjoy and that are pleasing to you. And you also want to take images that are different than everybody else. Eventually. Eventually, you want to get to that point, right? When you're starting off, I highly recommend take trying to replicate photos that everybody else takes. Just so that you can get more practice under your belt. But once you're confident in your settings, then I recommend, you know, trying to branch out. But with that 50 mil 1.8, it's great to show you exactly what aperture does. There's nothing like it for shutter speed or ISO, you know, in, until you spend like... $7,000 on a camera and your camera has, you know, an, an, an ISO of 3.28 million,
1: you know, but you don't need that. No, no, you don't. I think that's uh, as much as we can teach you on aperture without you experimenting yourself. So this yeah. is a really good opportunity for you to go out and experiment and we want to see the results.
0: That's right. I know. I want to see the results for sure. I think, uh, you know, like we just said, the website is officially up everybody should go to beginnerphotographypodcast.com and, uh, you know, check us out. You can contact us there. That's how you're going to find all of our links. We're on Facebook. You can post on the wall. We want you to ask questions. We want you to contact us. We want you to, you know, be interested in photography because we want to help you. We have this knowledge. But if we die tomorrow, we just died with all that knowledge. The more people who we can help, become better at photography, the more people can explore their own world around them. And I think that, um, you know, that's all that we're really trying to do is is we just want to see more stories from people. And if photography is the way that you want to do it, then by God, we want to give you the tools to be able to tell your story.
1: Absolutely. Ancidotally, um, is that a word?
0: Ancidotally.
1: Just- an- 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 so do- an- so do- I don't think it is. I don't
0: know what you're trying small, to say.
1: Small story time not related totally to our podcast.
0: Anecdotally.
1: Ane- I always do this. An- <laughs> I always want to say anecdotally so because there's another word I I pronounce like that. <laughs> Catherine makes fun of me all the time for it. Uh, that's my fiance to the podcast world. Um, that's why she's the English major, political science major, um, and I'm the visual artist. <laughs> <laughs> Um my best friend Tyler um picked up a camera like 3 or 4 years ago uh and had no clue what he was doing. He was just like shooting pictures and they'd be like dark and all over the place. He goes out now and he kills it with photographs. Um and you know, I maybe I helped him a little bit, you know. Um but really it was about him exploring and he just he just loves you know Capturing things that nobody else sees because he's just, he's got this, he, he goes up and he goes hunting um, with some guys and they do fishing and trips and stuff and photographs I would never see in my life. He gets because he's, he's passionate about capturing those moments and that's what excites me. I want to see everyone else's all the time.
0: I know. Yeah, you and I both. I think that's why, you know, Instagram is so cool. I think that's why, um, you know, Facebook is cool, because people share their stories, you know, sometimes you're on Facebook, and you see, a, you know, had a salad today for lunch. And it's like, at the time, that doesn't mean anything, you know, but maybe down the road, that person, you know, sees that update again. And is like, you know what, that salad that I had, you know, was with a good friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years. And that salad is more than just a salad it's a story of you know reuniting a friendship or something and that could have been a bad example but i think that this is what we're seeing now and if you can use photography to tell that story and share it if i saw a picture of a beautiful salad i would stop and be like man that is a beautiful salad but if if my friend you know steve was like hey you guys, guys had a salad for lunch and that was his uh you know status update i'd be like what are you doing on facebook man get off like yeah. go live your life you know But it's all about the personal Uh, story.
1: Catherine would like me to say this. I imagine it would be salads can unite people. (laughs) Salads
0: can unite people. Hashtag salads
1: can unite people. (laughs) He thinks I don't eat enough salads. So there's probably some case to be made there. To be fair, I don't think anybody eats enough salads. She might. Catherine might. Anyways, I think we've done what we can. You guys should explore your cameras. Go out, take awesome photographs always enjoy we are going to be back very soon next podcast talking about shutter speed the second portion of the mini series on the exposure triangle
0: Hey, Raymond here again. Uh, now, as we close this out, I really hope that you found this episode all about Aperture's role in the exposure triangle helpful. In the next episode, we are going to tackle shutter speed and how it plays a role in capturing an image. And like I mentioned in the intro, if you're anything like me, you are a visual learner. Be sure to download our free Picture Perfect Camera Settings cheat sheet, it is full of personal and professional images of mine um, from 10 plus types of photography along with the camera settings I used to capture the images so that you can have a starting point for when you go out and shoot. You can grab that for free by heading over to perfectcamerasettings.com. Again, that is perfectcamerasettings.com. That is it for today. Now go out and practice by taking some photos and playing around with your aperture. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk to you soon.